Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Big Apple Hockey, where you notice we got four boxes. We'll get to that more in one second. I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams, and I am joined by the final buzzer host, Mr. John Fulkowski. Phone rings. Uh, hey, Artemi, it's Gary. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin uh, can't make the All-Star game. What do you, uh, you want to come in and uh, join us, play a little puck? Uh, Gary, Niet, I'm on the beach right now. Bye. <laughs> and of course, the man who actually gets to watch a hockey game tonight, Mr. Anthony Loraco. Last night, too. Uh, they're playing some games finally. It's nice to see. Two well, the Rangers are going to be feeling that, that, that feeling of, hey, wait, when do we get to play hockey again uh, very soon? And our special guest today from the Glove Drop. Uh, and I got you right there. Tara Fitzgerald. Tara, Daryl, let me just Why don't you say hello to everybody? Um, real quick, just so we all are aware, the New York Rangers defeated the Florida Panthers last night without Adam Fox. Boom. That's all. Boom. Yes. And oh, actually, you know what? Let's let's just before we even do our interview, let's do a quick Rangers uh, recap for us. So it's exactly that we're doing a little bit of a midseason analysis, but also guys, always check out the final buzzer with John Falkowski, the man that's right over there, and read his good, bad, and ugly reviews. The Rangers this week mm-hmm. beat the Kraken and the Florida Panthers, but lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets and. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist night, great night. A little bit of controversy at the end. More on that in a second. And Phil, we're going to start with you. What are your thoughts on Henrik Lundqvist night? Uh, the ceremony itself was great. I was there. Um, it was awesome. Yeah, um, awesome. I was in 226, and. Um, I don't, uh, the screaming fans couldn't bring it down. This, the constant Zuccaro chants every time his uh, face was flashed up on the, uh, the screen. Um, just a, a amazing ceremony. So awesome. I got a bunch on video. I'll have to upload it at some point on here and uh, be on the lookout for that. But um, the game itself, like, what was that? Like, I don't know what this team has going on with them right now, but there's this inability to play a full 60 minutes and they think they can get by with 20, 30, maybe even 40 minutes if we're lucky Ranger fans of good hockey. And then the other part of it is just complete and utter crap. So we're sitting there watching a game that they get ahead to nothing, get an early lead and they blow it big time again. So the two nothing lead is now the Rangers bugaboo apparently. And uh, yeah, it came back to bite them. And obviously the end, we'll talk about that in a little bit as well, because I think everybody wanted to put their heads to the wall, like the gift from uh, Michael McDonald from uh, Man TV when he plays uh, Stewie. So yeah. But well, Tara, um, well, what were your thoughts on Lundquist Night? I thought Lundquist Night was amazing. I think that was one of the most well put together retirements. I think it was absolutely across the board, incredible, um, absolutely deserved all of that respect and then some he is of course the king and they were calling him the icon of the city as well which i completely agree with love the fact that zuccarello was there to uh you know share that special moment with somebody who he played with for so long and somebody who he considers 
what would be one of his closest friends and mentors in hockey. Uh, didn't love Zuccarello scoring. I'll tell you that for free. Not a good, not a good look. Would have preferred him to be still a Ranger. But as far as the retirement ceremony went, I thought it was great. As far as the game went, they're going to think a little differently on that one. Then, uh, like you just said, it's a difficult playing a full 60. We're seeing a lot of starting hard, leaving the arena after the first period. It's incredibly frustrating. I know things, I guess they, it's like the dog days of hockey right now, leading up to the all-star break. You see a lot of teams struggling and the Rangers are one of them. Of course, having Adam Fox being out, which I thought was a day to day. He's on the IR now. You got the D pairs a little messed up. They're not really in sync, but my issues with the whole game was their the effort. You, know, you can't just put the effort down and walk away. They hand they hand the momentum over to the other team. We saw them do it with Columbus Blue Jackets. They did it again, and they almost did it again with the Kraken. But fortunately, it seems that coming into the game last night, they were playing the kind of hockey that they needed to play. And hopefully, after this All Star break, we'll see a lot less of playing down to the level of the other team and actually playing the hockey. I think uh, Shesterkin in a post game, and I had mentioned this in, in one of my videos, Shesterkin in a post game, uh, he had said, it's Brazilian. They're playing like Brazilian style, meaning the other team is being able to score as many as they can, and the Rangers are scoring as many as they want. And that I've makes a lot of sense that. to me. And and when they want to score, as we saw last night, they, they can really step up and hopefully that momentum will roll through. Everybody get a little break from the all-star and, Go from there. Well, Anthony, uh, did you get to see the end of that game? Uh, I didn't see it live. I saw all the, you know, basically the highlights of it on social media and whatnot. All right. So they they ruled that he that the that Cam Talbot was pushed into the net. Did the refs get that right? The only the only thing I'll say is that. Strom definitely used his stick to to push Talbot's pad. Um, other than that, I I disagree with everything else that went on there. But you can't deny that Strom was pushing that Strom pushed Talbot's pad with his stick, and unfortunately, you can't do that. I know he wasn't the one that ultimately put it in the net. Seems like Zibanejad's stick Not came in front yeah. of the screen and knocked it in. Um, but unfortunately, um, every time the refs see that. They're gonna they're gonna say it was interference because of it. The only th the counterpoint to I'll say to that is if that's the case, they should have blown the whistle, so Strom wouldn't have kept wouldn't have kept whacking at the pad. So it was kind of like a catch twenty two. Here's um, another counterpoint. So it's unfortunate. Strom was, but... Strom was pushed into Talbot. He was. He that was, was another counterpoint. I was gonna make it a third counterpoint. Is in that situation, the puck is loose in front of the net and. Not to take away from what you were saying, though, if the refs see that, they'll call it. They don't call that every time. It's a 50-50. That type of uh, loose puck in front of the net and, you know, the struggle sticks are going through. That is always up in the air. It's a 50-50. It's on the ref. They make the call. The way that I saw it, and, and I'm known for sitting down and going in slowest motion possible, checking everything. I mean, everything from an Achari slew foot embellishment. I'll go all day on it. Hyper-focus. <laughs> that, to me, was... It could have gone either way. It's not a solid call. It's up in the air. But uh, as Toronto always does, uh, which I think comes, yes, I think it stems from I think it stems from a little bit of feeling a little intimidated by the fact that the New York Rangers organization is always neck and neck with them in terms of being the best organization. And you know, why not just 
let Hank down one more time, Toronto. But I do agree that he was pushed in. I do agree that the whistle definitely should have been blown if there was kind of a goalie interference. And yeah, it's a 50-50 call in my book. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the way that I've kind of joked around about this the last few days, that the Rangers honored Henrik Lundqvist for his career, and then the NHL and the refs honored him by screwing over the Rangers once again. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll never forgive them for the Dwight King uh, game two uh, non-goalie interference call, but that's a different story. The other point I got to bring out, guys, is Talbot's reaching for the puck. He's reaching with his left hand. When you reach with your left, your right side goes backwards. It's true. So it's not just Strom pushing it in. Is it a tremendous travesty that's going to cost the Rangers the season? Of course not. Uh, and that'll be more for discussing the rest of the first half. There's but, one last thing that nobody's brought up here with this. And that the point is, is that the call itself is so frustratingly inconsistent that there's never any clarity as to what happens with these calls and the way it's supposed to be called. So yes. it, it's like, it's like a catch in football. What is a catch? What is the, 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 the feet are down, uh, having to go through and finish the catch and all that other nonsense they talk about. But there's never any consistency. We never have anything clearly defined in any of this. And that's the most frustrating part about all of it. Even more frustrating is we all know. And, you know, you, unfortunately, you see the NHL ref, he had hot mic and he gets, you know, loses a job. But you know if you're pulling on one team and then you kind of owe the other team one or something. And in that situation, the game was gotten so tight and it's that night and all of that. And the call really is 50-50. I'm just going to give the referees the benefit of the doubt. They all had something very important to get to after the game. And they just couldn't go to OT. Very important <laughs> plans after the fact. Because it really could have gone either way. But They had to make Hank's after party. Let's just yes, seriously. Time. Which I'm pretty sure Steve Baliquette was at. He was looking like he was having a he blast was. during... Uh, those Anthony, last words. word on this. Yeah, goaltender interference. Um, like John said, it's pretty inconsistent across the board. It's too too often than not you see one goal get waved off, and a very similar situation happen in another game throughout the league, and the goal stands. Um, so there's no consistency with it. And the one thing that I really hate is I've seen goals waved off where a player is at the top of the crease, literally doesn't really even touch the goaltender. Like aside from maybe like his back brushing up against like the the top of his goal stick or whatever it is the butt it the butt end of it and they call it no goal. It's just the 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 player has the right to be there just as much as the goalie has the right to the space in front of him. As long as you're not in the blue paint toppling him over, I think it's gone too soft. Yeah, vice versa, and that too. Unless you're pulling a Buffalo Sabres goalie coming out and checking people, and I think oh, they really God. need to. Are we really going to get into the, the phantom Brad Isbister goaltender interference call in game five in 2007? Because oh, that, that's a bad one, too. I think, yeah. yeah, I think we can all agree, though. Goaltender interference is something that needs to be looked at. And, you know, it's got to be a little bit more of a defined line. It's easier to get away with it back in the day before this replay and before these HD replay super slow-mo. Now, now it's technology's making it so that... Uh, you're going to really need to define the lines when it comes down to these rules and what is and what is not. And otherwise, what the NFL has done with that. It's it's been a bit of a uh, a problem because everything's frame by frame by frame. Mm -hmm. All right, but what were your thoughts on the Lundquist night and the controversy at the end? Throw it down in the comments below, guys. 
Uh, we are going to get back to actually talking to you, Tara. So oh, what's that? Let me get your information right back up again. Mm -hmm. And then there we go. We could always find you at the glove drop on YouTube, Instagram, everything else. Mm -hmm. So uh, what started you playing hockey? Oh, boy. Well, I grew up with three brothers, so that kind of helped. But it's actually a funny story. Growing up three brothers, uh, you're very tough. You don't cry if you're hurt or you're sad or anything. But as a kid, I was four years old and I'm aging myself, but I'm watching my dad's got the Stanley Cup on and the Rangers win. I didn't know what hockey was, but it was a very emotional experience uh, for a little kid. I'm watching. I see everybody going excited and the Rangers fans, my dad's yelling and then they pan over and I see the Canucks and they're big men kneel down and the tears are flowing. And I was so captivated by it that I had gotten tears in my eyes, whether it was because I felt bad for them, whatever. Uh, my older brother, my older brother, Devin, Tara's crying. And I <laughs> lost it, flying up to my room, screaming, I'm not crying, I'm not crying. But I was so intrigued. It was such a core memory of seeing that, that as time went on, I started faking a tummy ache to stay up late and watch a game with my dad. If he had a game on, I'd be like, oh, I can't sleep. Uh, and from there, I started to play. Um, which is fantastic. There's a lake right behind me. It's been frozen playing on there. Uh, played a bit through school and uh, then turned out I was a much better runner. So I started focusing on running and did that through college, but finally got back on the ice about a year and a half ago. And I gotta say, it's truly, truly the best thing <laughs> in the world. And I am so grateful for hockey, the community. And even when I wasn't out on the ice playing, just the bond shared between and the respect between players and fans is it's something that you don't see in other sports and i can say wholeheartedly that hockey is absolutely one of the single greatest most genuine things left on earth for sure so, so with that i started up my youtube channel i i wanted to be a sports broadcaster and <laughs> at the time i was modeling and i saw steve dangle doing something i was like you know what he Almost likes the Leafs as much as I like the Rangers. Steve Tangle is great. So it, I was kind of inspired. And, and it took a while. You know, it takes a while. You got to be, uh, learn how to do it all, but also learn how to be on the camera and be genuine. Because if you're just reading something, nobody's gonna, nobody wants a talking head. So I dug deep after a few months, got a little bit more comfortable with it. And, and I went from there. And it's been great. And even though I'm a girl, I have not received any, in my opinion, obstacle being in the world of hockey at all. I don't know. Um, this is just my own experience. And and it's just been unbelievable. Do people comment on my videos and say things that you don't know what you're talking Do you retire? Well, yeah, for sure. But it's in reference to a play. It's because they disagree with my opinion. So if you're mm -hmm. in my comments disagreeing with my opinion, that's great. That means you're hearing what I'm saying. And uh, Eyes on you. that's, yeah, that's, that's the game. And that's how it is. And I love it. And I'm so excited to keep the content going tiktok oh my gosh tiktok is super fun that's kind of the more light side of all of it i'm not screaming and, and trying to meditate through a rangers game and that it's kind of a little <laughs> bit more the locker room antics and the fun stress levels at an all-time high oh gosh yes yeah but yeah we get some funny content there's some silly stuff that happens at the ring that's for sure and when you head up to games and so it's just entertainment across the board whether it's me freaking out or me really happy or me falling off the bench whatever it is it's the best and i love it and uh 
I get to meet and and talk with people like you. So can't beat it, right? No, you're right. You you said you said it best. The hockey community is an awesome community. Hockey has given me so much. I grew up an only child. You grew up with three brothers. I I did too. So, Terry, did you ever get the Goldberg treatment from your brothers? Did I ever get the what? The Goldberg treatment from your brothers? Did they ever? Absolutely, of course. But my youngest brother. and for some reason, somebody pointed this out to me, though. Why is it that the youngest sibling is always a goalie? I'm like, well, the youngest sibling is the one that you say, here, put all this on and we're going to shoot pucks at you. My youngest brother, he's a fantastic goalie. The guy is incredible. It helps that he's 6'2", off skates. But um, he is up at Fort Drum. He's in the military. So he's up in Fort Drum and he's working with kids 10 and under goalies. And every year, uh, and this time around, it's the first time I got both of my brothers out on the ice, we had a little family Christmas hockey game. He was in net. And now every time I show up at the rink, the board's like, where are your brothers? Or where's your brother? Because he's such a good goalie. And it was it was awesome. But uh, yeah, there's been a lot of stitches. Some from them, <laughs> some from just the guys I play with. It is what it is. The moneymaker. <laughs> worth it. That's awesome. Totally worth it. <laughs> That's awesome. So, who, um, if you're... You know, life as a Ranger fan, who was your, your favorite player that's Mark played? Messier. Mark Messier. That's a good choice. That one real quick. I'm number yes. 11. Captain, yeah. I think his demeanor and, I mean, the captain. He is the captain. It's one thing to have a a status in, in that with Hank. But with Hank, uh, his, his whole thing is he's taking care of what needs to be taken care of in the net. Something that I loved so much about him was his ability to bring the team together. But you – the goalie's got to be quiet. He's focused. He's dialed in. Uh, I love to see a player who's a real locker room guy, somebody who's really going to pull people up to their level. And and Messier is the epitome of that. He was such a glue guy, such the, the captain across the boards. Love him. Favorite. Yeah, Messier stuff. I've been number 11 forever. So, Messier, if you're watching this, you're my favorite. <laughs> so, only one guy ahead for me, and that's Wayne Gretzky. That's it. Gretzky. The reason why I started playing. There he is. Uh, Brian Leach, Mike Gartner, and uh, Darren Turcott were my favorites when originally I started watching. What about aging yourself? I know. Well, I, <laughs> I, 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 I can't help it. I just got to accept my age right there. But um, how pumped are you, though, in the next couple of weeks, being able to watch Team USA defend their gold medal that they won in Pyeongchang? It's, it's, I hate to say it like this, but there has been a little bit of the glory been kind of sucked out of the Olympics just with everything going on. We're not, it's not, doesn't seem like the real experience. I do remember when the women won gold in 98. Yes. Uh, and that, that was crazy. the same year that Tara Lipinski was figure skating. And I remember a bunch of kids, I was in second or third grade at the time, were like, I was so angry that her name was Tara because I didn't want to be a figure skater. And everybody was like, Oh, like Tara Lubisky. I'm like, no, but these, the hockey, <laughs> but uh, I think it's going to be great. I think the women's hockey programs too have gotten crazy. I'm excited to see who actually does show up for uh, team USA on the men's side. I know a few people are holding back, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought they actually asked Anthony to play, but I wasn't sure. I think I might've asked yeah, me. I think they yeah. did. I, oh, I yeah, you're busy at the All-Star game though, right? So so let let's just let's just throw this out there. Who does the who does the little leg kick 
backhand forehand move better, Zuccarello or Jocelyn Lamoureux? Because Jocelyn Lamoureux is just absolutely filthy. Some of these girls got quick hands. Now, this is coming from a girl whose edges are shot.com. These, <laughs> they come in and, and they're going circles. It's, it's a different, it's a tech, it's a little bit of a different game. You got to have hands if you can't really be throwing your whole body around. That's so true. it's amazing. But let's go real here. The leg kick, that's a Panarin move all day, every day. I want to see him do it before he scores next time. Yeah, I'll, yeah, a little bit of a different leg kick, but yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. that. That's definitely Panarin's thing. My move oh, is Messier. the Messier Austin did Matthews. the leg kick plenty. Oh yeah, the Austin Matthews toe drag before the wrister to change the direction of the shot. Now, mind you, my shot—I don't even know where it's going at all to begin with. <laughs> but the toe drag puts a little more power behind it, so I just say, "I'm like, yeah, I'm really good at this Austin Matthews toe drag wrister quick off, like change the direction of the shot." I intended to do that. No. But it works. I don't know how he just gets so much on that in such a short span of time. It's it's almost like physics defying. It really it is. And he learned that in Arizona. I know. What no, a homecoming for him, though. What a homecoming California. Arizona. Big loss of the Yotes. Oof. Stings. <laughs> I can't have it all. He can't have it all. No. And yeah, that they're they're another story. I don't even know what's gonna happen with them. They want to play in a what a five thousand person arena to, like for the next two three years? Are you kidding? I, I didn't figure it out. I don't understand that one. It no, is great to no. see how much and it's grown, hopefully though. they'll find a way to keep them in Arizona because I know the NHL would prefer to keep them there. Mm-hmm. Um, the growth in Florida and California has been tremendous too. So we'll see. Hopefully we can get the uh, Southwest to. Gonna rally up behind it too. But I'm mean, now that really Vegas nice. is Vegas has got a <laughs> fan base and a half. Yeah, they could stay. Yeah. I'll take Reeves though. Thanks. And I'm happy to say that the, in Florida, one of my old teammates, a friend of mine, Timmy Kirkostas, is helping to grow the game out there because he used to coach Shane Gostaspear. Oh no way! And, yeah, I think a couple other guys Oops. too. They're in the league. Union College. Yeah, yeah Union, Union College. college. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 beat. Uh, was it them or was it Providence that beat Boston uh, Boston U in uh, the 2015 game and, and uh, denied Jack Eichel and, and former Ranger coach, thankfully former David Quinn. Yeah, that was a hot second. Quick little. He did his best. I don't know, man. I'm a Penn State girl. I went to Penn State. I play. I played on the hockey team for a week because two girls were out injured and one was out at university games. Like I must have. I swear warm-ups i was already gagged i was dying dying but big 10 hockey all day let's go sit down Boston. damn right big 10 yes michigan fan for me i can't but, say anything yeah. i have a north dakota sioux jersey yucky oh it's so awesome <laughs> no that one's dope michigan sit down unless you're already sitting <laughs> all right so let me get you out with this one question uh do you ever have people underestimate you on the ice because they go, oh, it's a girl? Well, like I said, I just got back recently playing. Um, so there have been a few times where I'll be playing and I'll notice that the D will back off or they'll just let me kind of go. And then I lose my mind. I scream at them. I'm like, I swear if one more person stop, I- I'll go off on them. Um, I think with my 
presence in the beginning. Uh, they were a little bit nicer and stuff, but after two days playing with them, they kind of recognized my personality and they, the chirps were flying and uh, I can see it being incredibly intimidating. Um, what, you know, walking in, especially not knowing, not knowing anybody. So I walk in, it's 20 dudes there and, and I don't know any of them and they're all pretty good. And I haven't skated in 16 years. So at first it was a little intimidating, and they, but they were all incredibly helpful. Why they were helpful, I don't know. Maybe somebody's trying to get a date or something, but very helpful. Now, now it's just a, <laughs> now I'm just getting chirped at, and they know if somebody's goes easy on me, it's it's I'm going to take the puck from them. Pretty good at stripping the puck if I see somebody slow it down, but it's great. Like like the the people that I play with, they they want you to be there. They want you to be there and they will make comments. I mean, oh my God, you did great. Or your skating's getting so much better. Or, you know, your shot got a lot better. Or they're, they're, and they'll want to work with you and want to help you. And it's like our own little family of 20 people, ages 19 to 55. <laughs> <laughs> but again, the only girl, but the, I mean, if you, if you look at my Instagram stories today, there's some stuff from uh, lunch hockey and the, the friendships that you make are amazing. Yeah. You I, just I want to see everybody have a good time. From, uh, Twitter. Yeah. My yeah, I saw that. that was pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't yeah, do yeah. it on purpose. You, just... you, you, what, what do you think your Mika's advantage at over here with your jersey tuck? It just tucks itself in. I can't help it. It's because my pants are women. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start calling you Scott Gomez. You put more of a jersey tuck than that. Scotty Gomez. Oh, another Rangers legend. <laughs> hey, you know what? He's a Rangers legend, but he ended up getting us Ryan McDonough. Oh, I don't want to talk about that guy. Can't say anything <laughs> red about that. Miss him. Can't say a bad word about Ryan McDonough ever. He's the man. I did. I did, however, get some. I did get some tickets for my birthday, though, for a couple Rangers games. I'm going with my dad to see them take on Boston. Who, Brad Marchand, you little rat. That's going to be a great game, and then Rangers Islanders in. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. So hopefully this time around, we all remember the St. Patrick's Day massacre of last year. Rangers beating the Flyers 9-0, just mopping the entire MSG arena with them. That was unbelievable. So hopefully this time around will be the same same deal, except with the Islanders. Well, I know the man down in the adjacent box for me would prefer that not to happen. But we were actually <laughs> supposed to have our first ever bar beat up on on. Uh, the day of that game is canceled, and they decided, "Hey, let's put it on St. Patrick's Day," because you know bars need <laughs> oh yeah people on St. Patrick's Day. Oh. All, right. <laughs> All right, Tara, it was great to have you. Thank um, you so much. It was yeah. awesome to be here. Yeah, and we'd love Thank to you. go on and help you out and go get you there. So, so if you want any of us on, yeah, probably, absolutely. Probably this guy over here. You take him. Right, top right. I that guy. Wait. That guy. There it is. <laughs> the hard part is where sure I'm mirrored, so I don't even know which way I'm pointing sometimes. <laughs> so I'm doing my – this is how well I shoot the puck that way. Yeah, but we'd love to have you back anytime. So thank Absolutely. You. Thanks again. This was awesome. What a fun what a fun way to wind down the day. There you go. All right. Everybody enjoy All-Star break. Best of luck with everything, and um, come to lunch hockey. Let's do it. Absolutely. Sounds Hell good yeah. to me. I'll see you on the ice. I'll All see right. you out there, guys. Bye, Tara. Bye. 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 All right. So again, that was Tara Fitzgerald from The Glove Drop. And we're just going to take two questions on the Rangers before we go to the Islanders. Um, because we had these stats to show from the Rangers this week. 
Chris Kreider getting his 33rd goal last night and his 17th on the power play. Adam Fox tied for the lead with NHL defensemen. You should see the comment section from our midseason awards, Anthony. They're, they had some choice words for uh, us not selecting Kale McCarr instead of Adam Fox. This is a number that, that cool. shocked me. Igor Sesterkin's 20th win of the season when the Rangers have been outshot. So, quickly, Anthony, I'm going to start with you. What's your thoughts on the Rangers in the first half and what their potential is? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's clear they – you know, exceeded everyone's ex, uh, expectations from this season. Um, I, th- I think we all thought they were going to be an improved team. Um, but at the beginning of the year, you know, most – well, not most. I'd pretty say pretty much everyone had, you know, the Hurricanes, Islanders, uh, Capitals all ahead of them. So in that regard, they're, they've definitely, like I said, exceeded expectations by far. Um, and for what's to come, I'm, I think it's going to be a dogfight to see who wins the Metro between them, Pittsburgh, Carolina – Washington is still in the mix too, so it's going to be. You're talking four teams could realistically win the division, so it's going to be very interesting. As long as they stay healthy, you know, Adam Fox comes back. So there's no more, you know, serious injuries to an, to an Igor or Fox himself or um, Kreider. Um, I think they're going to be in good shape to to make a good run, finish strong, and enter the playoffs feeling good about themselves. But um, you know, I. I as an Islander fan, I, I'll admit it, I expect more of the same in the second half unless something catastrophic happens. Phil? I, I could see them finishing anywhere from one to three in the division. And it, it, it like, like as Anthony said, it, the injuries are yeah, the thing. I was going <laughs> to highlight that, hand because yeah. <laughs> just I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> but, um, uh, LZ's been chirping you the whole time. He called you Steez trash too, by the way, which is great. I don't even know what a Steez is. Uh, it, well, I'll explain afterwards. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, um, I, I think they could, like I said, finish between one and three in the division. Um, I don't think they should finish any lower than three at this point. You've built up such a rapport right now. You would have to have a monstrous collapse. They have. I believe they have thir- uh, 34 games left now, was it? I think it's 34. Even if they win 17 of those games, that's um, that's 34 points right there. That would put them over 100 points. That would solidify them one of the top three spots in the division. So they could play 500 hockey the rest of the way, which I don't think – I think they'll continue to play about between 550 and 600 hockey – I honestly think they'll probably end up finishing second in the division. I think Carolina just having those games in hand is just going to be too much to overcome in the end. But I could see them finishing anywhere between one and three. And the team has a lot going for them. They need to go make an acquisition at the deadline, though. Alexi Lafreniere needs to stay on that top line. I I, I don't know why Gerard Gallant would even think about demoting this kid, actually, especially with the way that he's played lately. He needs to play on the top line. I mean, I, I texted the group yesterday and pointed out that both Wallstrom and Lafreniere both got their 10th goals of the season last night. You know what? It, it, it's going to keep happening if you keep putting him there. And he's going to get better. He's starting to move his feet more. There is speed there. It needs to improve. His strength and conditioning need to improve as well. But you're not going to give the kid anything to work with if you continue to play him on a bottom line for – 12 to 14 minutes a game. It's just not going to work. And you got to make sure that he's getting those minutes. Um, Adam Fox coming back will obviously be a big help. Igor, Igor's elite. 
Igor's elite. If you want to say he's the best goaltender in the league, I have no problem with it. If you want to say somebody else who's more established is the better goaltender right now, sure. But, I mean, the Rangers have a lot of things going for them. And, uh, honestly, Chris Kreider, he's not disappearing. I thought he was going to go into his ghost mode again. Nope. He had a couple of games where I thought the efforts weren't there, you know, off the puck and, you know, everything else. But um, he's, he's coming back. And, he leads the league in goals. And who the hell would have thought that in February, Chris Kreider would have 33 goals to lead the league in the NHL. Certainly so, not me. And I'm the Chris Kreider fan club president. Yeah. I was about to say someone might have gotten a little excited after last night's two goal. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, more on that in a little bit, more and more on that in a little bit, but uh, yeah. So um, I, I just hope to God that they can win, I would say, at least 20 of these next 34 games I think they have. And you could go into uh, the playoffs on a high note and, and make a couple of acquisitions by the deadline. Well, I'm going to be really quick because we've got one fast question to do with this. I don't think the Rangers have peaked yet. I think if they get a third-line center and establish that bottom six a little bit better, again, more on that in a little bit, then this team – Really, the sky could be the limit. And right now, they're not there yet, but they it is promising. Igor Sesterkin has been absolutely fantastic. And Gerard Gallant is starting to really make the Rangers mirror the Las Vegas Golden Knights in their first season. But moving on from there, who's the, really the Rangers MVP? Because you could say Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, at times because of Banajed, but is it Igor Sesterkin a bust? Talk. I got to go with Igor. And uh, I mean, it, it, there was a stat that I believe you had looked up that said that um, they were, uh, Igor has 20 wins this season when the Rangers have been outshot, which is unreal. And not only that, but you have players like this guy in the lineup. We'll talk about that later. Like Patrick Nemeth in the lineup. You have players like Jared Tenorti in the lineup. And they do nothing but drag the team down. And Igor still excels despite all that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Igor, but Adam Fox would be a number two for me. Anthony quickly. Uh Igor. Um you could say Kreider or Fox, but goaltending is the most important position in hockey. Um, and he's been sensational for him so it's easy for me all right and you know what i'm gonna go with igor but the other guys are starting to make a case but what do you guys think about the rangers in the first half uh are, have they peaked yet i don't think they have i think uh, there could be more throw it down in the comments below because we got to talk about the other new york team and that would be the new york islanders who they sit right now in oop, wait six places sorry uh they're in fifth place right now in the Metro, aren't they? Well, let's do a little what? standing. The Islanders are in fifth place or sixth place. I think I just messed that up. They're ahead of they're ahead of Jersey and Philly, so I guess uh, sixth. Sixth. Yeah. All right, so they are in six. All right, yeah, they're in six. Thirty-eight. My mistake. Okay. Well, anyway, so we go to the New York Islanders, who right now are sitting in six, but they got plenty of games in hand on the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, it's been. How do you, Anthony, how can you even sum up the Islanders' first half of the season? Um, disappointing, weird, 
Um, inconsistent, um, mostly. I would go with those three adjectives. Um, you know, listen, we all we all we all know what the expectations uh, were of them before the season started. It was to you know to reach the Stanley Cup Finals. A lot like a lot of we talked about this before. A lot of media people had them going to the Stanley Cup Finals, get going to the Conference Finals again. Two people um, here did that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very, um, very disappointing. Um, you know, you could, uh, you could, you could talk about all the all the stuff they had to endure, but at the end of the day, they just, um, you know, they just have underachieved this season. And uh, you know, I can make excuses for them. I mean, they have played a lot of meaningful playoff hockey over the last two years, and. I don't know if the, just the mental grind of having to do it all over again in the regular season weighed on them or, or whatnot. But um, unfortunately, it didn't play out for them this season. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens the rest of the the rest of this season. But you know, it is what it is. And uh, I, honestly, if you would have told me before the season started that the Islanders would be where they are right now, um, I would be like, I would have been like really upset. I would have been like, oh wow, that that sucks massively and all this. But um, I'm not, I'm not that bothered by it. I, I think mostly because one, um, they did go through a unique set of circumstances to begin this year, um, and also, like I said, they have a lot of good young pieces and good pieces on their hockey club in place. Where just a little bit of tinkering in the off season, um, and I think they'll they could be right back where they were. You know, um, you know, Lou Lamorello, guys. I imagine he's probably pretty mad about how this has gone. And he's not going to take it lightly. And um, I think in the off season, uh, he is going to <laughs> he's going to make a lot of waves. I'm not saying in the sense of like he's going to blow up the team, but I, I think he's going to make additions to this team. He's going to tinker here and there, um, and they're going to come back and start a new next season. So um, at this point, it is what it is. It's not worth you know getting all depressed about it. But you know, unfortunately. The, the, the crumb didn't go our way this uh, so far this season for us Islander fans. So well, they, um, they certainly got some cap space. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually was talking about that on all things Islanders the other day. I made a whole big lengthy post, but um, you know, they have like 12.4 million coming off the books uh, this off season. Uh, and if to further that, if Lou moved Bailey or, or Varlamov, um, you know, he could have upwards of like $22 million in cap space. So, um, but listen, at this point, he, he just, he just needs to, to kind of just fine tune the roster a little bit. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it will probably best be served to let one of these guys who have been involved in the top nine for the last couple of years go to bring in a fresh face. He might've, he might've <laughs> listen, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark called Big Lou, and uh, I don't think Big Lou was very happy about it. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think um, Big Lou was happy about that either. No, no. So, <laughs> but Big Lou is gonna. He believe me, he's probably um, his. You know, ears are steaming behind the scenes, and you know, I think <laughs> in the off season he's gonna get to work. But as far as this season, just like take it one game at a time, and let the chips fall, fall where they may. You know, don't don't do anything at this point to, you know, mortgage the future by trying to make an addition to, unless I said you got to that, like, you know, five or six point threshold. Other than that, just, uh, 
just let it be. And to answer this question quick, what assets do they have? Um, I mean, if you're talking in the sense of, you know, bringing in a player to help now, I mean, their first round pick, but I wouldn't trade it again for the third year in a row. I wouldn't do it. Um, you know, there's there's Robin Salo, guys like that. But again, I wouldn't move him. Uh, Alturatu, I wouldn't move him either right now. I mean, he's their top prospect. Uh, so those are the Anthony Beauvillier. Um, so those are the assets they could move, but I don't really, I don't see that happening in season. Again, in the off season, I could see Lou shaking things up by by you know jettisoning Bailey or or Beauvillier in a, in efforts to shake up the makeup of the team. Um, but don't be surprised if if Philip Forsberg reaches unrestricted free agency. Um, I gotta think that Lou is gonna Lou is gonna go after him hard because um, aside from Oliver Wallstrom. Um, Brock Nelson can shoot the puck really well, but aside from Wallstrom, they need another guy that can really just, you know, tee one off past the goalie and beat him clean. Um, and Forsberg can do that and he's got the hands to boot. So that's a guy I think that they could look to in the off season. But, um, but again, for the here and now, just keep just, you know, Ryan Pollock's back. Your, their team's pretty much totally healthy. Uh, just see what you can do. Um, and if you get close, you get close and maybe then you look to add somebody, but for now, it's just ride it out. Part of what's good about having such thorough analysis and smart minds like Anthony and Philk is that Anthony just covered literally every question that I had for the Islanders and that I had prepared for this segment. Philk, what do you think about the Islanders? What are some of the bright spots that you can actually look for in this team and say they could actually either make a run for the playoffs or look look towards next season? Um, I think the playoffs are going to be a real, real tough battle for them because of the fact that even with their games in hand, they're still going to, if they win all those games in hand, there's still a considerable lead for Boston over them. And Boston doesn't seem to be losing. And then even and if Washington. Washington, yeah, and Washington too. So, I mean, and they helped us out last night, by the way, Dimitri Orlov uh, winning in overtime against the, uh, the Penguins. So that, that was big for the Rangers, but, um, the Islanders, if there's two things that I'm – or actually, there's three things that I'm going to be looking at if if I'm an Islander fan and I'm saying, you know, hey, the, the, the circumstances have been garbage. We were dealt the worst hand possible. We were we went to the table as the short stack and were dealt a 7-2 offsuit for about 10 hands in a row, and they expected us to win. But you know what? You came out of this. You got – Noah Dobson has taken a big – big step yeah he's a legitimate top four defenseman right now um I, I i don't think of i don't think there's a team in the nhl that wouldn't kill to have him um oliver wallstrom is continuing to show you more signs despite barry trotz's mishandling of him and i i mean anthony and i have discussed this in detail because as ranger fans we're literally going through the same things with guys like alexi lafreniere capo caco and Vitaly mm-hmm. grabs up and we're sitting here saying to ourselves like wow you know, you know the, the you know the handshake meme of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers' arms, where it says like you know it's like Ranger fans, Islander fans from the beginning of Predator, their young prospects. That's literally <laughs> both fan bases right now, just with with these guys. So yeah, Oliver Wallstrom has shown a hell of a lot, despite the fact that Barrett Trotz seems to want to stack the deck against him for whatever reason he has. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he pissed him off in the locker room. Uh, the other thing would be uh, Robin Sallow is an NHL level defender. There's no more reason. on him in a little bit. Yeah, there's no reason why 
Chara or Green should get minutes over him at this point. I'm sorry. Um, I know what those guys mean in terms of, you know, the locker room and everything like that and the long careers that they've both had. But it, it's time to start giving this kid more meaningful minutes because I've said it from the I've said it from his debut. I, I, I thought the kid's skating was really good. I thought his puck handling was good. I thought his decision-making poise were both pretty good. And he's continuing to just get better. So, yeah, he needs to stay. By the way, it's funny uh, that you had Noah Dobson and Oliver Wallstrom that you mentioned. And you can't help but think about the poor general manager that decided to not select either one of those players. <laughs> what a great decision. <laughs> So, but you had to do I, that. I thought we touched on this last week, but again, Anthony, I'm going to go back to this again because you're going to get the casual fan to say, "Why doesn't the Islanders just tank and try to get whatever?" No, that's not the answer on this. You, you shouldn't be trying to tank right now. No one would this is the organization worst. built pretty strong. Yeah, no, it, it, the it, worst it, thing. though, I'm sorry. The the worst thing that could happen for Ranger fans would be the Islanders coming this close to the playoffs. And then someone like Brad Lambert somehow falls to them. And you, you could, they could, they could miss the playoffs, not tank and still get someone like Lambert. Who's going to be a very, very good NHL player one day. That would be a nightmare for every Ranger fan. Anthony, the thought you were trying to get out. Um, they, Mark, you you you've said this a while ago, but um, they're still going to win the center matchup pretty much every night. Who they play with, um, they're deep at center ice. Uh, their defense, I mean, is starting to really sh- with Dobson's emergence. I mean, I have Pelek, Pollock, Dobson, Mayfield's a very formidable top four D that he's kind of grown to the last two years. Um, you know, the goaltending, the goaltending set with Sorokin. Um, you know, so they, they're, they're main core pieces that you need to be successful. Um, you know, the Islanders, the Islanders have it in place. You know, again, they, they just, this was for whatever reason, this was a perfect storm, um, of a year for everything to essentially go wrong for them. And it did, um, you know, I think they're, they're going to get younger next year. Guys at green shower Parise who bring their average age up a lot. Um, they'll all be gone. Although I will say, had a discussion in this with my fellow Islander fans. Um, Cal Clutterbuck's unrestricted free agent, you, you know, making, you know, three and a half. I'm assuming he's, you know, probably follow suit with Sezikis and Clutterbuck, take a little less, like $2 million. Um, But I would much rather bring Prize back for league minimum again and ha- put him on the fourth line because I absolutely love Prize's work ethic. Um, and for a 37-year-old, he actually still plays a, a, a speed game. And the points are slowly starting to come for him. So um, I would bring him back next year on the fourth line. But um, what, I, what I was getting at was basically the, the Islanders, the structure, the blueprint for their team going forward is all there. Um, like I said, just some fine fine tuning they have to make. Uh, Josh Bell, has been a great soldier for them. You know, like I said last week, he's getting up there in their career, you know, assists and all that stuff. Um, you know, he is what he is. He's a good 40 to 50 point guy. Um, but he doesn't know how to shoot the puck. He always makes the fancy passes, making five million, and they need a guy that can put the puck in the net. So if they can get rid of him in exchange for a guy who could score, um, you know that's a win. Um, I'm also not opposed to moving Bovillier in the right deal. I mean, Bovillier has a lot of skill, but I, I would move him 
if they were able to bring back, a, you know, a you know, a top four D, similar age. But overall, yeah, I'm not I'm not concerned about the team for going next season. I think they could easily be a playoff team again. Um, so, but as for this year, bright spots. I said it the other day on all things Islanders. Noah Dobson, Phil already mentioned Oliver Wallstrom, um, Brock Nelson, 22 points in 29 games. He's actually playing at pretty much to basically match his career high in numbers despite missing that time with injury. Um, I thought, I thought he's been, he's been really good for them. Um, so there has certainly been bright spots for them. It's just overall, there's just too, too many things that happened to them um, that just kind of sunk them. You know, it is what it is, but that's what they say at hockey, you know, points in October are just as valuable as in March. And in this case, they let a lot of points get away in November. Um, and unfortunately, it's probably good what ends up costing them their season. But um, Anthony, did you see that question that I highlighted from D. Ely? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I would I would love him. But um, Lou, Lou doesn't really strike me as a offer sheet type of guy. Nope. Um, so I don't I don't think he would do it. But I mean, I would I would love to have him. I mean, the Islanders wouldn't need him at center ice, but he could play the wing. He would, he would be great, but I don't, I don't foresee that really, really happening. Um, again, I mean, it's hard to speculate through trade because you never know, but the one guy I'll say if uh, Philip Forsberg, I mean, he's, he's easily the guy for me. If Nashville, for whatever reason, doesn't re-sign him or he tests or he tests the waters, uh, Philip Forsberg next to Barzell would be, he's <laughs> would be good. Money. He's, no, he he's, will. He's no doubt. Cost, I would say at least nine million against the cap. I would say. No, he. I mean, he. He what has twenty? How many? Twenty three goals or so right now? Twenty. Philip Forsberg around I, I, there. I, I, mean, I, I gotta look that up. He's, he's having a great season with Nashville. Uh, now. I will give you that in a second. Actually, he but, has twenty four goals and thirty eight points in thirty three games. Yeah. That's Let me go back to you, Anthony. Though, are, do you have any reservations of possibly giving up on Anthony Beauvillier? Uh, I listed him in one of my in the in the negative section in that post I made the other day. Um, you know what? He is young, so yeah, for sure. And he also has what you want. I mean, he's got the speed, um, he's got the stick handling ability. Uh, but you know, for a reason, you know, he's got six goals, and this is a guy that's you know, scored, you know, 18, 19 goals multiple times. So I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's so it's, it's hard. It's hard to get on him being that really the whole team is kind of underachieving. But uh, yeah, no, I, I like I said, I would I would trade Beauvillier in the right deal. Um, I wouldn't give him up for obviously nothing because, you know, he's he's a really good player. And I think a lot of teams would like to have him on the on their roster. But um the thing is, when you look at when you look at the Islanders and you think of you think of forwards who can maybe realistically go, it's really it really comes down to just you know him and Bailey because you know guys like Barzell, Wallstrom, you know Pajot, Nelson, they're not going anywhere because they simply shouldn't. And then you have guys like you know Paul Mary, uh, you know Lee. Uh, then it's comes in they're not leaving because of contract and other type of issues so that really just leaves bailey and bovillier is really the only two spots to upgrade uh, to upgrade the forward position in the top six or top nine so that's why bovillier's name comes up you know he's young mm -hmm. and you know he's on a 
you know, team friendly contract. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, I look at him, he could possibly be another, I'm just saying if you give up on him and then he explodes elsewhere, like a Todd Bertuzzi or an Alexei Kovalev and you see the Rangers held on to Chris Kreider and now you're getting the best out of him. Granted, you don't want to wait nine years for that to happen, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Chris Kreider has been fantastic, but at age 30, you got you got to think that this year might be an outlier and there's a good chance he can go back to scoring, you know, 23 goals next season. I would, uh, I would say so too because you get rebounds and deflections. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but it's rare to see a guy at 30 just become a guy who's going to score, you know, 40 goals. No, I, I get what you're saying, so. and, and I agree with you to that point that it, it could definitely be an outlier. Um, the one thing I will say is that a lot of people talk about shooting percentage, and with shooting percentage, you have to bring in context into play. When you're yep. talking about certain players – some guys are always going to have higher shooting percentages than other players because of the way that they are. Like Alexander Ovechkin's is always going to be a little lower because he's a volume shooter. Mm -hmm. Chris Kreider, mm -hmm. all of his shots come from high danger areas. He's not a guy that even really shoots the puck. He tips and deflects pucks in and bats them home. So well, I mean, usually he likes to go in on the left wing and try to shoot. So um, yeah, but he does that shot. far less now than he used to. But we're getting away from where I was saying about giving up on Anthony Beauvillier. Yeah, no, no, I, I know. But not, I'm, yeah. I don't I don't think it would be giving up on him. I think if they didn't move him again, it would be because he's the most realistic asset they have that has value that they can, you know, stomach moving. Um, again, you know, I'm not I'm not moving any of the younger prospects because they don't have too many of them and cost control is a big thing. You know, it doesn't make any sense for them to move Robin Sala right now because he makes nothing and he still has a lot of potential. So, again, Beauvillier is probably the most attractive piece they have that teams would want that Lou would maybe realistically say, OK, you know, I'll, like, for instance, you know, they've been mentioned for Jacob Chikrin. And when you think about that deal, Beauvillier is definitely in it. Do you yeah. do it? I mean, it's down. But you know what? Oh, here's another thing Lou can do. Nothing. They got plenty of cast space. They could add it on next year and and get some new players and reload. What do you guys think? Would that be a good philosophy for the Islanders? Throw it down in the comments below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We've got our Bar Talk segment that we're going to go through. As you see, my, um, my laptop battery is starting to wear down. I'm at 43%. 43 is a great number. Not exactly for a laptop battery. But before we do that, we're just going to give you a preview of a video that we've got coming out within the next couple days. Video games have been part of our culture for decades, and sports games have been front and center since Pong was created in 1972. While every sport has been captured by the virtual world, hockey hasn't translated as well as, say, football, basketball, soccer, or baseball. But at least they got NASCAR beat. While hockey hasn't seen the wide success of the other sports, it certainly had some gems that gained a place in fans' hearts through the years. I'm Mark for Big Apple Hockey, and these are the best hockey video games of all time. So quickly, do you guys have a favorite hockey video game, or is it just basically anything from the NHL series? Uh, I would definitely say NHL 95 for Sega is my, my all-time favorite hockey game. Really? All right. Anthony? Is that, is, that the, is that the Kirk McLean cover? Yes, the Kirk McLean Oxy yeah. Kovalov game four. Okay. Yes. 
Yeah, that that's that's actually one of mine too. Um, that was I re- I really really enjoyed that game. And yeah, at also, first I was really gonna... liked um, I really liked NHL two thousand one for PlayStation two. I think I think it might have been Lemieux on the cover. And that um, was NHL two thousand two. Two thousand one was Owen Nolan. Okay, so yeah, that that's I I like that one a lot too. Which I one? Love Lemieux two thousand two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, because I I thought about trying to do it individually, but you know what? NHL would take up that entire list, so it's just the NHL series at at one point. All right, guys, we're going to do some bar talk. Let's get down to it. I'm going to take a shot on this one. I'm going to say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. Welcome back to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we gauge our topic, or sorry, gauge our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. No, I have not had any so far this afternoon, this morning, different story before my flight. And are you so confident you're going to buy everybody around? you not feeling confident? It's just a shot or so-so. I'll have a beer. But, Phil, we're going to start with you on this one. The Rangers... Top line right wings are hindering the team more than their bottom six gaps. Beer. And the reason why I say this is because, yes, they, they need production out of their 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 top line right wingers. Uh, Kako, you know, hadn't been great on that top line with Savannah, and Kreider. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere is fine. looks like he's finally found a home. Um, but they definitely need help in the bottom six as well. There's just no doubt about it. You can't have Greg McKegg playing regular minutes for you. Um, Dryden Hunt has been awful for a long time, so they they need to fix both areas. So I'm going beer here. Anthony? Uh, I'm going to go beer as well. Um, I think Kako is really kind of screwing the pooch with them um, in this in this regard. Um, you know, Lafreniere is starting to – you know, shown signs of improvement, but um, I haven't seen, you know, really anything uh, from Kako offensively lately. So that, that's, you know, that, well, that could, hurt. yeah, he has, he has, um, that's for sure. Um, but I think Lafreniere has took some more steps lately than he has when he has been on the ice. Um, but I, I think though they, they need to make improvements with the bottom six, like Phil had said, and the playoff time when those when those guys can become your unsung heroes and the grind game is really strong, um, you re- that's when those guys really flourish. So they could really make some improvements there. I'm gonna go shot. The real problem is they got to strengthen their bottom six. You need Barkley Goudreau to be in the bottom six, not in the top six. Yep. And if you could get the Rangers to have a Philip Deneau or somebody like that, and they they would or maybe like for instance JG Pajot. Get me this a Jared would McCann. Be infinitely better. Instead, it's not. It's it's get, get me so and John D. Lee's boy Jared McCann at the deadline, and that that kills two birds with one stone. I would also try to target Cedric Paquette because after all, he did play. I believe with Parker Goudreau at one point. Oh no, it was on. They were just teammates. Anyway, going to a guy that Anthony was talking about before, Robin Salo should get more playing time. Anthony, sorry. Uh, I mean, round. Uh, listen, I'm I'm ecstatic that Pollock is back. Um, it was nice to see him in the lineup last night, but um, it shouldn't have been 
in a you know in lieu of Robin Salo. I mean, he plays with speed. He can move the puck. He can play on the power play. He can skate the puck out of danger in his own end. Make that good first pass. Um, and you're taking him out and keeping you know Green and Shower in the lineup. Look, the Islanders were two points out of a playoff spot, and they're really battling. I can maybe see, okay, well, you know, he's inexperienced and, you know, high-pressure moments, all that. You know, you want veterans like Chara and Green. But they're 17 points out of a playoff spot. I mean, they're they're, they're likely not going to make the playoffs. Like, what does it matter? Leave, leave the guy in. He was getting comfortable. He was feeling good about himself. And he helps the team. Uh, so round round for days on this one. Um, and I'm real, you know, I'm really upset that he's not playing right now. Phil. Uh, yeah, I answered this earlier on when I was talking about him. It's definitely around. There's just, there's nothing I can say that bad about his play, despite how bad their season has been. And some of the guys that are getting minutes for them on defense, Robin Sallow has excelled and stood out. So yeah, round. Make it a clean sweep, guys. It's around as well. If there's any blessing that came out of the Islanders in their COVID, Robin Salo got some playing time, and he's looked very good, not out of place. So they should be playing him a lot more. And since the timer's still going, Jack Hughes should move to wing for now. I'm going to start this one, and I'm going to buy everybody mm-hmm. around on this because Jack Hughes has got a 29% win percentage. I said before about uh, – Alexander Georgiev about a month and a half ago when he had like an 838 save percentage. The only way to do that is if you're trying not to stop the puck. Well, if a 29% win percentage uh, on face-offs, you're not even taking face-offs. Move the wing, let him take some pressure off of him, but they're going to need him to be a fran- the franchise center he needs to be. We can talk about Kako for days, but Jack Hughes, take a little responsibility, give him some time, and then get him back to center. Anthony shot. Um, I think you got to leave him at center ice. Um, his, his face off percentage. Yeah, it is what it is right now. But um, a lot of that goes into, you know, this is for all intensive purposes, pretty much still a kid. A lot of face offs involves like man strength, tying a guy up and, you know, really battling and he'll get there. He's young right now, but to take him out of center right now, I think could actually hurt his development. Um, you don't want him playing. Listen, he's talented. I'm sure he could play defense if he had to, but um, don't put him on the wing. Leave him at his natural position. Um, Devils aren't having any expectations to win right now anyway, um, so it's not like it's really killing them, his face-off percentage. Leave him there. He'll get better once he gets some man strength and gets more experience. Phil, Shot. Uh, like Anthony said, and, and, and I thought about this for a little bit when I saw it because – they have Nico Heischer. They have Dawson Mercer. Who Dawson Mercer is light years ahead developmentally from where I thought he'd be at this stage. So uh, I, I'm going to have to eat my words on Dawson Mercer. But um, it, no, he's the most talented player on that team. He's the best player on that team. And again, faceoffs are something that you learn with time. And if you're gonna if you're gonna take him out of there because he's gonna win faceoffs, it's gonna it, it, or he can't win faceoffs. Rather, it's gonna kill his confidence. There's no reason to do it. Just you know what? The Devils don't really have anything to play for. They're not gonna make the playoffs. They're not close. They're, they're, they're just let him learn. Just let him learn and develop. There's no pressure. So no, keep him there. All right. Hey, maybe I'm wrong on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Florida Panthers 
scoring will translate in the playoffs. Anthony? We all know that, you know, it becomes harder to score in the playoffs. You literally have to fight for every inch of ice. Um, so I think their goal scoring um, will take maybe a little bit of a hit in the playoffs for sure. But, I mean, man, this, this team is – they're really talented. I mean, you go Barkov, Huberto, Reinhardt, Sam Bennett looks like a the player we all thought he was going to be when he was drafted, um, which I didn't think – I honestly, I, I wrote him off years ago. I, I, so I'll eat crow there. But um, Duclair, Carter Verhage, um, Lundell. I mean, you talk about, you know, call the trophy voting. I think he gets lost in the shuffle. He's been great. Yeah. Um, team's a juggernaut. They play with speed. So, yeah, again, I think they may have to, you know, fine-tune their system a little bit in the playoffs, but I got to go – I got to go round. Wow. All right. That's that's big news. Philk? I'm going to say beer. Um, the reason why I'm going to say beer is because you're talking – you're using the word translate, and the stat that you just had up before, you said 40 – Three percent of their games, they have five or more goals, and that's not going to happen in the playoffs. But three plus goals a game in the playoffs—that's more than possible for a team with that much firepower. So I, I got to go beer here because I could definitely see them in the first two rounds, uh, absolutely just destroying whoever they face if they're any bit loose defensively. So, yeah, I'm going to go beer as well. The reason why is because. You know, yes, it's going to get tougher defensively, but their goaltending has been good, not great. And let's be honest, Bobrovsky's let in some softies in his time in Florida. So that can deflate a team, knock them off their mental game in the playoffs. So that could that could affect their offense as well. Hopefully it won't. But as Christina's saying right there, but also to add this in, the Florida Panthers have the most comeback wins in the NHL in the third period. And that is ridiculous. And they it's it's well over 10. Yeah. They they, they just bludgeon you with offense. So yeah. uh, here's the one, here's another one, and this is one we would we did talk about this a couple weeks ago, but now it's official, boys. Evander Kane will be a significant difference maker for the Oilers playoff push. They got to go with the guy rolling his eyes already, John Fukowski. Uh, you're saying significant difference maker? I'm I'm gonna say shot. Um, will he help? Yes, but the way that you're making this sound by the wording makes it sounds like he's gonna come in and be like a savior or something for them, and I I, I just don't see it. Um, yeah, as as Jack is, uh, Jack just wants me to sing the shot song. <laughs> little John again. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see him being a savior or anything like that because that's what it's making you sound like. So I'm going to say shot, but he can help. Anthony, um, I'm saying shot for the same reasons as Phil. This says significant difference maker, and that implies that he's going to, you know, put the Oilers over the top, or he's going to come in and just tear, you know, tear it up. Um, I don't see that happening. Uh, you know, he's a big body who could score. Um, you know, he does add a, a physical presence. Um, but so it'll help, but significant difference maker. No shot. Uh, I'm going to go shot as well. And I'm going to use the word significant just the way you guys did. 
Except I'm going to go with this, the most significant difference maker that they got, Koskinen. You're, they're not going anywhere. Because right, we're not talking about them. negative difference makers, Mark. We're talking about positive impacts. Koskinen I know, is but impact. I'm going to go with that one. That It doesn't matter what Kane does. And I think what he's going to have Gary Cohen, that. remember when Gary Cohen called uh, Daniel Murphy a net negative? That That's Miko Koskinen right there, buddy. <laughs> Well, then Daniel Murphy turned it around. I don't think Miko Koskinen's doing that. That's ex- yeah, exactly. Boris, here's another one. I know he's been talked about a lot, especially over the last two months. But Carey Price will finish his career as a Montreal Canadian, Mr. LaRocco. Buying everyone around. Um, and it's because his contract status and how, you know, he hasn't even played yet this year and he's getting older. Um, I don't know what team is going to take on that contract considering everything around him right now. So um, I think they're going to have a hard time finding a, finding a taker. So for that reason and that reason alone round. Phil, you were talking about having people that know their shit and, and, you know, taking away all of your things that you were going to say from, from your answer that, well, yeah, that basically just happened right there. (laughs) So yeah, you, 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 you find me a team that'll take on that carry price contract and I'll say something other than round. So, uh, you guys took all my answers that I could say, by the way, I got to put up the round for Philk. And then oh, I got to put up a round for me. This was our old round. It didn't really come out that well. But I do have to say this. Didn't we just celebrate a goalie that played his entire career? Yes, that's right. With one team and he was a, a well-paid goaltender. Well, they couldn't move the Henrik Lundqvist contract. You think they're moving a Carey Price contract at $2 million more per season? No. That ain't happening. All right. Here's a guy that needs to find himself again, and that is Elias Pettersson will return to form. Phil. Uh, yeah, I'm buying around on this because Elias Pettersson is too freaking good to, to not return to form. I mean, this is a Calder winner through his first two seasons. He was a smidge under a point per game when Vancouver really wasn't as good offensively. Like Quinn Hughes was just, you know, cutting his uh, cutting his teeth into the NHL. And Elias Pettersson was still a dominant player on a team that lacked a lot of uh, firepower. So, yeah, he's going to turn it around. Anthony? Round. Um, he's too talented. Uh, his shot is, for my money, top 10 in the league with his release. Um He's got, he's just, he's just too good. Um, and he, ever since he went on that slump where I think he hadn't scored like a nine or 10 games, ridiculous like that. Um, the next couple of games, he went off and, you know, scored goals in multiple games. He's got, I think he's up to 11 goals. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not worried about him, nor should any Canuck fan. He'll be fine. Uh, we're going to make it a clean sweep again, guys. I'm going to buy everybody around. I'm going to go with that. He's trying to justify his brand new extension that's coming or the, the, the new contract, I should say. And you got Bruce Boudreaux. Everybody gets better on a Bruce Boudreaux. Not many people get worse. So we're going to move on. We've got a couple more. The new all-star format will be the most entertaining ever. And if you haven't seen some of the pictures that came out this week, 
about it. You got the blackjack for the shooting competition. And then you have the fountain at the Bellagio. And, you know, boys, I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. I'm going to start this one off. They need to do more stuff like this. Incorporate what the host city is and get the skills out there. So that's my answer. Anthony. Yeah, I'm going to go rounds. Um, it's about time they become a little innovative with what they're doing here. Um, no better stage in Vegas to do it on. Um, and even like the new wrinkle where like Trevor Zegris isn't in the all-star game, but he's been invited to take part in like this, the skills breakaway challenge and, you know, really show off the talent this league has to offer. Um, you know, they're doing it right. So round for sure. Phil. Yeah. Um, I'm totally on board with this. Um, Mark and I are actually going, uh, so you'll have content from us for or little content from us, I should say from the weekend, but wish um, it was all three of us. Yeah. Wish, wish Anthony was coming with us, but, um, we want to, uh, we want to do some content there and I, I can't wait to see what this stuff is all about. Um, I, for some reason I've got the, I don't know if you guys remember the dude perfect videos with, uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan, where they were doing all those crazy trick shots and stuff like that. Um, that's pretty much what's coming into my head right now. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Well, we're going to stick with the all-star game and say the NHL should actually change the all-stars format. Anthony? Uh, playoff. <laughs> oh, sorry, the playoff. Ah, you idiot. <laughs> you know what? No, let's stick with this one. The NHL should change the playoff format. Anthony? Uh, we kind of talked about uh, – I mean, yeah. should – Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, if this was – if I think they will, then, yeah, I would say round – because I, I think they are. I think they're going to follow suit with some of the sports and try to get some more teams involved and generate well, more revenue. In your opinion, should um, they? Yeah, but should they? No. I mean, the only thing I'll say is I I kind of wish they would go back to the old one eight two seven three six four five. That's the only thing I'll say. Um, you know, I like that. Um, but I don't have a huge issue with it, what it is right now. But, yeah, I prefer they went back to that format. But um, So, I, I don't know. I guess beer – yeah, I guess so. I guess we'll go with beer on that one. I threw a shot when you said no. But, Phil, the NHL should change the playoff format. Go back to one versus eight. I'm, I'm buying around on that because the one versus eight were the best. Uh, you brewed up a bunch of rivalries that you never would have thought you had that way. And it just – it's so much better. I'm going to go beer because I'm not sure, guys. I'm not sure because I don't think there's a perfect playoff format especially now with the league. Half, if you're making the playoffs, you're a good team. It doesn't matter. There, there are no pushovers. So I think they should probably stick to where it is. Definitely no wild cards. Definitely no play-in tournament or any crap like that. Hell no. But, you know, I, I think you should just keep it the way it is. And I know people want to bitch about um, the uh, – what was it that they want to bitch? I forgot now. But, uh, oh, they want to bitch about the divisional format. Wow, that, I can't believe that slipped my mind. Bitch about the divisional format. Oh, this division's weak. This division's stronger. Who cares? Steven is talking about a 1 through 16 league-wide 
um, with a two v uh, with a two three two schedule for the playoffs, like in '79. No, um, I I understand why, and I know some people like that one, but I wouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, I, 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 I tell you, it's not going to work because of the fact that it there's uh, it, it's bad logistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then there's a lot of traveling mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that, and it creates more it creates more co- uh, cost, more expenses for the, uh, the league, and the scheduling and everything like that just becomes far more complicated. So let me throw this one out there for you guys. Let's say they go to the one through one through sixteen. The Florida Panthers win the President's Trophy, and the Seattle Kraken or the Vancouver Canucks make it. Now Florida has to go to Seattle in the first round or yeah, that's Vancouver? crazy. It's crazy. It's no, no, I, I, I travels, travels a big thing. And we talked about that several different times about the 94 Rangers. So, um, that they didn't see a plane for three months. So that was, there was two months. I should say that was a good thing. Yeah. Um, just want to kill that timer. And, Guys, one more for you. It's a quickie. And Anthony, Mark went from six to midnight at the thought of Chris Kreider scoring 50 goals. Um, round. I, I think I think you might have to um I think you might have to go see a doctor because you've had an arrest in life longer than six hours. Oh Silk. It's funny because um Someone posted uh, an anti-horny meme on uh, Twitter saying this is what I need after a Rangers win. And I said, a Rangers win is like popping a Cialis. (laughs) So, yeah, Mark is going to have to see a doctor because he's still going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Believe it or not, just beer. Um, oh god get out of here no okay now are we talking about that it's recently that i thought about this like he scored last night when he scored 30 i went that's the number he's there is the possibility of him scoring 50 there yeah but i needed him to score 30 first i'm I'm talking the most after he got 33 and you realize he's only 17 away from 50 with 34 games to go 34 games to go he's just got to get a goal every other game one goal every other game and and he's and he's there You want to talk about what really might get me going, and I'm going to buy around on this. Chris Kreider for the Rockets. No, I mean buy around. There it is. Chris Kreider for the Rocket Trophy. I I think Chris Kreider might win it. He might. I mean, he's definitely going to be amongst the um, amongst the contenders for it. (laughs) And Mark, speaking of 50 goals, I got I got turn the tables on you. A trivia question. I mean, asking you who the last Rangers to score 50 would be too easy for you. So. I'll ask you, who was the last Islander to score 50 goals? What year and what year player and how many? I, I know I know the answer. I know it. I, I, I know the exact number and I, I know mm-hmm. the year. See, it's not Zygmunt Palfi. Came close. He had he had like a 48 goal a year. 48, Correct. I think yeah. that was 96. Yeah. The guy that I think it was is your boy, Pierre Turgeon. Correct. Correct. That was 93. Ninety-three, yep. He had hundred and thirty-two points. He did, yep. And uh, I, he, he was amazing that year. Uh, I, I still can't, can't believe that was the, that was that's the last Islander to score fifty. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Paul, Paul, <laughs> then came the closest after him, and then, you know, 
And then and the only other they, Islanders, Islanders like, turned out to uh, 30 goal scorers around that time. And at, at a time the Rangers were not turning out 30 goal scorers. Because uh, after they dealt Palfi, they got Marius Tchaikovsky to score 30. Yeah, Marius Tchaikovsky had uh, back-to-back 30-goal years in 2000 and 2001. Did he have 35? 35 in 2000, yeah. He had 35 goals, 35 assists, 70 points in 2000. Yeah, Yeah, it's when he was married to the the Bond girl from GoldenEye. And then since then, Jason Blake had a 40-goal year. Anders Lee had a a 40-goal year. Yeah, and those are the only two 40 guys they've had since. Yeah, Grabner I mean, close. He had 34 in his rookie year. Yeah. Hold on. Let me see if I can get this one. Uh, Philk, who was the only Ranger between Eric Lindros and Peter Pruka to have a 30-goal season? The, all right. So between Eric Lindros in 2001, 2002, and Peter Pruka in 2000. Uh, let's see here. No, there wasn't anybody. Radic Dvorak. No, that was 2000, 2001. Damn it, then I fucked up that question. Yeah, because the only the other thing I was going to say was um, if you're talking about players who uh, <laughs> who joined the Rangers and finished the season midway, you, you could say Pavel Bure and uh, Yarmer Yager and Alexei Kovalov, but they – they started their seasons with other teams. And Pittsburgh and uh, Florida and Washington, respectively. Yeah. By the way, make sure you get all your numbers right before you ask it on a live streaming broadcast. Yeah, no, yeah. Dvorax <laughs> was 2000, 2001. That was the checkmates line. It was him, Nedved, and uh, Halavich. And uh, Dvorak had the four-goal game against the Islanders um, later on in that season. Yep. Yeah, and that was back when Rick DiPietro wore number one. Yep. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yep. Um, by the way, guys, uh, leave us a like, uh, share, and subscribe. Do you think – at least no Justin Herberto <laughs> reference today. No, no. You know, you brought Rick, Rick DiPietro. Had, I had, um, you brought up Rick DiPietro. I have a funny quick story about Rick DiPietro. It was um, the 2004 draft. Uh, me and my friend um, Mike – uh, we went to Mike Collier, in case you're wondering, Phil, when I said oh, Mike. Oh, God, Collier. Um, we went to J- Jillian's. It's like a Dave & Buster's type place. They had the draft yeah, party there. And um, Rick DiPietro was signing autographs there. And there was this uh, there was this girl that was going that was an Islander fan. And uh, when we got up to the line, my friend Mike liked this girl. So he he, he leaned into Rick DiPietro. And he's like, hey, Rick, there's a girl uh, in line. Her name's Sam. You know, I, I really like her. Could you put in the good word for me? Oh, God. And, uh, and I know, you know what you're talking about, too. And then Rick was like, and then I we know he did it because afterwards, um, you know, he asked her, did, you know, did Rick say anything to you? And she said, yeah, Rick, Rick said to me, he's like, there's there's a guy, Mike, uh, that I saw, you know, he really likes it. He's a nice guy. <laughs> so he he uh, he did what uh, my friend Mike asked him to do. But. Um, yeah, that, that was that was way back when when you know he was jacked up and everyone Anthony, had such Anthony, high hopes. Anthony, Sam B. What? Sam B. H. 
You got oh, oh my god! Okay. You're you're talking about Bill uh, Bill Wolf's uh, Bill Wolf's X. That's the one you're thinking of. Oh okay. yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Never mind. Yeah. I I, yeah. I just want to just mention I, I used to have a segment. That's why yeah. that we used to do on this called Mark's Weekly Trivia. Look, some people make mistakes. My father made one 44 years ago. Um, oh, this is, you know, I, I try to make sure it's all there. So, um, but yeah, usually I got that. Yes. Rick DPH or the worst goalie fight ever. Oh, very, very good sports guy. Like he is on the radio is so about the jets and how he, yeah, he's I great love Rick on the radio. Yeah. He's great. Well, you know what helps with him on the radio? He's possibly the second most, um, Self-reflective athlete, I think I've ever heard. And number one being Mike Tyson. Well, you know, I don't even know what I was thinking back then. But I mean, I mean, Rick DiPietro, he'll he'll rip himself plenty. And he oh, was not, yeah. very good. No. Yeah. He, I mean, you talk about a guy who was cursed. I remember when he was going through all his injuries and whatnot, there was like towards the end of his career when he was still trying to come back, there was an article in Newsday like his dog like ran out and got hit by a car. And it's like, really? Like the guy, the guy's made of glass. He always gets hurt. And then like the guy's dog gets hit by a car. He had the worst luck. He really did. The worst, the worst luck. Yeah. yeah. He, you know what? It, it, it's, it's funny because I, 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 I couldn't stand like him as, as a player, but just, as a radio host, he, he's just – he's perfect for it. He's literally perfect. Yeah, this, this is great. Oh, my God, yeah. And, yeah, can we, we really have to do this. It, 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 if you end up getting married, that's that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, first thing I have to find is a girl that's crazy enough to want to marry me. <laughs> you and I both, buddy. You and I both. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's – you know, it's – um. Yeah, and I I think you need to have that kind of attitude. Rick's, Rick's. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, after all, he was doing an All Star Game interview, mic'd up, tried to make a a a, a leg save, and and then actually hurt said on air, "I think I just pulled out my hip." Yeah. What do you and then, and then he comes back. He comes back from that injury, and then the the Beijing collision happens, and then that's basically like the downfall of his career. Yeah, that that started it. Yeah. I remember the clear as day. Sean Sean Hill got Beijing blew by Sean Hill, who at that point was a traffic cone. And I don't know what Beijing not a goal scorer. I don't know why Di Pietro figured he had to go out and try to beat him to the puck. He should have just took the breakaway against them. But yeah. Knee to the head, and that was pretty much exactly. curtains after that. Uh, I mean, uh, after all, um, Mike Richter, it was a subtle knee to the head. That's what ended his career. Yeah, yeah was, that was Todd Marchant going through the crease. Yeah. It, it was oh. it, actually, it, that wasn't even the first one. The first part that really did him in, the start of it, was the Chris Tamer slap shot in February of 2002. Yeah, yeah. Off the side of the head. It, it got side of the Practice head. Practice Yeah. That that was it. So, um, but yeah, I just I'll tell you right now. Um, it, it, it's sad to, to, the way that some of these things happen. But I, I got to tell you, I, I I listened to Rick on the radio and stuff like that. And, and one time he was 
he was just joking about how like the the punch that really like knocked him out and really ended it all like from Brent Johnson he was just like yeah I I, I totally underestimated that guy and he ended up knocking my lights out and ended <laughs> yeah. my career and like the, the attitude that he had towards it was just like it was it was cool it was just like you know what this is a guy that's found peace you know and and, and good for him because I never saw him in that good guy light as a player. Like it was always like, you know what? You're an Islander. That's, that's going to be it. And I, I'm just going to think of you differently. And he got heated and I, I was there when he went to go challenge Mike Dunham to a fight. And that was another thing he talked about on the radio where I, I, I laughed. He was like, I skated out to the middle of the crease and I, I was at that game with a bunch of friends and we got moved down. Thanks to somebody that I played hockey with. That was very high up in Madison square garden at the time. Um, but we moved us down, saw that fight, and Rick talked about it and said, he was like, yeah, I went out there, but I was like, this guy's like six foot three, 200 and something pounds. He probably could kick my ass. And I just, I left because that's what I was thinking. I was like, what is DiPietro out there doing trying to challenge Mike Dunham to a fight? Do you, do you remember when he fought Al Montoya in the preseason game? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, um... Insane. Um, by the way, we did have one more topic and this was in, uh, this was in honor of the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Super Bowl. Who'd have thought you'd ever say those words ever again, or in your case, I'm not sure if you guys have ever said those words, but, uh, what long suffering fan bases deserve a playoff run. And we're starting with hockey before we think of any other sports. So here's the thing with this question. It comes to like, for instance, um, like the Coyotes. They haven't done shit. So, but when you're talking about what fans like deserve it, you're right. You know, obviously, their fan base isn't anything that really. So that so they're kind of out. But that makes it a little tough, like a little harder. So I guess I gotta. As much as I hate to say it, I guess I gotta go. I gotta go the Maple Leafs because they're they have they have a passionate. They have a passionate fan base, and they haven't done really anything in a long time. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would say, <laughs> um, even you know, though Anthony, we have this. He, he was, uh, yeah, no, I get it. They're, they're oh. really. I know they're they're insufferable. They think everybody wants to play there. They, you know, they they think they're God's gift and all that, but. Um, you know, realistically, on a roll today. I love this. Real, realistically, you know what? He was uh, LZ was uh, at the Coliseum <laughs> with me. I think I think you might have been there too when they drafted Tavares. On um, LZ wasn't there with us. That was I thought me, LZ, you and Wolf. I thought LZ was Wolf. there. No, I'm sure, he'll, I'm sure he'll chime in if he was, but I'm no, I, it, it, I, I, I remember that day very well. It was not LZ, it was me, you, and Wolf. Bill Wolf. Why was Bill Wolf there? He, I wouldn't. I would have never Wolf, thought that. I, I would never thought with that. Us. I remember, and I know we went to Hooters afterwards. So Wolf, Wolf was right. definitely with us. Um, but yeah, the Leafs. I mean, again, I all right. They, he just confirmed it. Said, yeah. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I thought that. But um, yeah, them. I mean, you got. It's got to be the Leafs. I mean, if you're if you took out like the deserves, I would say like the Coyotes because they never won and anything like that. But I gotta go. I gotta go with the Maple Leafs. I would even I would, I would even say I would even say the Panthers, but again, they're not really exactly a rabid 
fan craze, you know, hockey crazed fan base that's, you know, been dying for one. But as an organization as a whole, you you know, the Panthers too. But um, yeah, Phil, go ahead. But uh, yeah, Leafs for me. The Leafs have got to be pretty much at the top if we're talking about a long-suffering fan base. Um, the Buffalo Sabres would be probably my number two um, because they they've been in they've been in the league for what fifty years now. They made it to two finals, um, lost both of them, Philadelphia in '74, and then um, come on, no, no, Philadelphia in '75, and then in '99 uh, against Dallas. With the uh, the Hashik and the the Brett Hull, it's a goal, you know stuff. Yeah. So um, I I would I would say um, if anything, yeah, Buffalo's got to be my number two. Um, I, there's Coco, a bunch by of- the way, I'm definitely coming back to your comment after we're done with this segment. Yeah. So um, I, I I would have to say. Yeah, but Elsie's right here. Um, Buffalo, yeah. they change ownership because they, they just treat their players like crap. I totally agree with that. We've gone over that. Oh, Anthony, by the way, my, my answer was going to be the Florida Panthers because when now they're starting to sell out. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a, a front-runner city, but I went to the Rangers-Panthers game uh, four years well, well, ago. Just, but when you say long-suffering fan base, I think of like – a fan base that's really engaged and really truly cares and has been just had nothing go right for them. Florida, they don't really fit that description with their fan base. That's why I really didn't. I think the problem is that they're not vocal. Florida. Huh? Yeah. I think the problem is that they're not vocal. They just, if there's a problem, they end up going and just following football or um, talking or listening to college football, maybe even taking in a couple Miami Heat games. Uh, they certainly don't see the Marlins. Now, here's the thing. I just want to, I, I just want to like have you elaborate on this. Uh, like, are, are we talking a championship or just a long playoff? Run? A long playoff run, because after all, the Islanders and their fans kind of deserved it the last couple of years, and they've been sensational. I mean, obviously, this year is not their best. I, I mean, I, I, Anthony's I mean, had more time to watch hockey than we have. Greg is saying Vancouver. I think that's a good choice too. I, I, I mean, but they, but they they had a run to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2011, and they've been in the playoffs, um, not long, long, deep runs um, after 2011. But they they've they've been in the playoffs. I, what about Philly? Philly made the went to the finals in 2010. And that's still a long time. I mean, that's what you're talking about. Like that, that's 12 years now. 12 years. Yeah. Philly's still a bit of a yo-yo going up and down. Like there was, uh, wasn't it like for the last six years, they're like, they missed the playoffs, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, make the playoffs. Florida, Florida should, would be up there. Arizona for, for me, because of the fact that they, they just have not had any, they made it to the conference finals once in their team history in 2012. That's it. That's it. So, um, yeah. Um, the Rangers, we, I mean, we had that Stanley Cup final run in 2014, Eastern Conference Finals in 2012 and 15. So, I mean, what about what about Minnesota and Columbus? Minnesota's another one. Minnesota has not. Minnesota, the they uh, had the one wild conference, one conference final appearance in 2003, and yeah. they lost to Anaheim. And they're a good mm-hmm. hockey market. 
And they're yeah, they're, they are a diehard hockey market. Yeah. That that's they're that's called the state of hockey for a yeah. reason. So and what about uh, the Detroit Red Wings trying to get back? You know what? They made the playoffs twenty what twenty six years in a row, whatever it was. Everyone feels yeah, so I'm not worried about them. So the long suffering would definitely be removed from what, that. But what about Columbus? Yeah. Columbus has never really had any sort of playoff. Columbus, one playoff Columbus series. won that, one playoff series yeah. in 2019, and that's yeah. it. So yeah, Columbus could be, in the, and they've been in the league for 20 years now. Yeah. So. Yep. And then we're still not even including the Winnipeg Jets, who they made. Yeah, it. but they had a conference finals appearance in 2018. <laughs> Lost to Gerard Gallant and the and the and Vegas Golden Knights. Nice. He, he's right about at, with with Arizona kind of shifting back to them. You know what? You know what's you know what's funny to me is that the league is apparently okay for them playing in a five thousand seat arena for three to four years, but yet Bettman had such an issue with the Islanders not being allowed to play in the Coliseum anymore after the renovations when it when it went from you know sixteen thousand to thirteen thousand. You know, that was too small for NHL standards. That wasn't okay, but he's okay with an NHL team playing in an arena that, that holds 5,000 people for three to four years. That doesn't make any – it's, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It doesn't make any sort of sense to me. I think also I think also with that, I think he was trying to campaign for a, a bigger arena in New York and not just – a fourteen thousand seater, thirteen thousand seater. No, I I get it, but it's yeah. just it's like, and not only that. And you're the right. Guy, the guy is clearly fighting like hell to keep Arizona there, but yet, where was the fighting to keep to be to keep Quebec in Quebec, or where was the fighting to keep? Yeah, you know, I, I get that. In I, Hartford, I, I'm Hartford. totally with you on the Quebec thing, especially because their market is good, and the Battle of Quebec is always a real good series that, that always drew big money but um the canadian dollar was just it was yeah that back then. but the the whalers he had an issue with the whales playing in the, the old civic center they couldn't yeah. play there but the coyotes again can play in a 5000 seat arena i mean i know times are different than they are you know back then and now but it just seems like he's putting a whole lot of fight and keeping them there while he let, I think, other teams leave without putting up as much of a fight. Who had bigger or better, you know, arena situations? Yeah. Now, just branching this out, uh, just for about two more minutes, guys. What fan bases in other leagues would you want to see them get a, either a run to a championship game or a deep playoff run? Lions. Gotta go Lions. Yeah, oh it's gotta be the Lions <laughs> in the NFL. They're they're another yeah. They've won one playoff game since since geez, actually I think it's like nineteen sixty. What it was in nineteen ninety one? You cut out Definitely. there. I just missed the Detroit the, the Lions have won only like one playoff game since nineteen like sixty something. I think it was ninety one versus the Cowboys. I watched that game. Yeah, it's got to be the. I mean, it's got to be the Lions, um, the Browns. I mean, they. Yeah, and Browns. Are I would actually love to see the Pittsburgh Pirates make a run at something. Like I always love that organization and that franchise. It's just they're they're a small market team. They're always going to be that forever. 
I mean, for a while it was the it was the Royals, but they've had success over the last couple of years, so it's really. Yeah, I, I can't root for anything for the Marlins, even though I would say the Marlins would probably be near the top of that list. Um, Tampa Bay has made their runs. I haven't uh, liked the Marlins since 2003. No, nope, I haven't <laughs> liked the Marlins since 2003 either. And I, I couldn't stand Jeffrey Loria as an owner. I thought he was an asshole, and he was a, a big reason as to why the MLB's revenue-sharing program was failing, and they were con- continuing to put up luxury taxes higher and higher every year. It's not the New York Yankees. It's pickpocketing owners like Jeffrey Loria, who took all the revenue sharing money and pocketed it. So um, the Cincinnati Reds are yet like, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. 1990 was the last one. 91. Yeah. How about I'll just throw this one out for basketball. Sacramento Kings. They're going to be a bottom feeder forever. Well, I, I don't even have to leave New York for basketball. The New York Knicks. <laughs> that is true too. It's it's I just. And I, and I'm a Knicks fan. I, I would love to see the last good playoff run I got to see from the Knicks was 1999 when they made it to the NBA Finals, and Tim Duncan and David Robinson ruined the second shot I had at seeing an NBA championship in my lifetime. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. Basketball, um, I really, lo- I mean, I, I think the last time I followed basketball, Stefan Marbury was on the Timberwolves. I, I've, I have no appetite for it, so I couldn't really, I couldn't really tell you which teams have even struggled. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I know all the teams have struggled. I just, I haven't had the appetite for basketball since 1995 either. Which, by the way, I've said this over and over again. I've said this story. Um, Patrick Ewing, uh, wait, let me get back. The Rangers were up 2 nothing over the Flyers. I switched to game seven of the Knicks versus Pacers. Patrick Ewing missed the layup, uh, the lay-in, and it, it rolled out. And I flipped back to the Ranger game. John LeClaire scored his first of three goals in game one of 1995. En route to the Rangers losing, even though they would tie that game, I think on a Pat Verbeek goal in the last minute. Eric Desjardins scoring and on to the sweep. So I still think it was karma that the Knicks lost and then the Rangers folded. But hey, so what are the fan bases would you guys like to see win a championship or at least make a deep playoff run? Throw it all down in the comments below. And um, I, we could take like maybe like one or two questions. I have almost no battery left, guys. I do have to throw <laughs> this one up from what Coco said. Um, did you hear Brian Boucher kill uh, Crotter saying something effective that he didn't have the hockey IQ to be this good? Um, Phil, this is what you've always said about him. He He's not wrong in a way because of the fact that um, Crider's hockey IQ was very suspect when he first came up. He was a very one-dimensional player. He was a guy who got a lot of goals and points off of um, bank passes off the boards from Derek Stepan. Um and that worked for a little bit. Teams figured that out. Then he added a net front element to his game uh, in the last, like, five, six years. And then he added uh, a um, kind of a, 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 an off-the-puck element, like a defensive element. Like, he's gotten better defensively in the last few years. But the biggest thing always with him has just been consistently. He's the most – he was the most consistently – inconsistent player in I've ever seen in my life on a night to night basis. 
he would you would get the most inconsistent efforts. One night he would look like a beast. The next he was invisible. And that was always my thing. And I always said that if he could ever put it together, he would be a guy that would score 30 plus goals a year. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the fact that he wants the center. Uh, if he wants a uh, center, if he wants the captaincy, if he wants, uh, if it's just Gallant finally getting through to him, but Chris Kreider has improved every asset of his game possible. He's about a point per game player right now. Like I, I never thought that this would be like, if you would have told me in 2009 and I, I, I watched the draft with Anthony that day, I was with Anthony and we watched the rest of the draft from the Hooters in Islandia <laughs> and they took Chris Kreider. And, you know, I, I said to myself, I was like, this guy reminds me of like someone like Tony Amati with more size because he's just got that speed. He's got a dynamic element to his game, and he could be a real good goal scorer. So I said, you know, 30-30-60 would be what I would want from Kreider. But this year, he could be 40-40-80 possibly. So I I think the 1-3-1, one, one, he tried to be that net front presence. Like, they Ranger fans wanted him to be Adam Graves. Stand in front of the net, block the goal, he tipped the puck. Um. Since they've kind of been doing the one three one, I think exclusively under. Um, well, they've done it for years anyway, but I mean, it's basically what the norm is for the NHL now. Although I didn't, Anthony, I don't think the Islanders play a, a true one three one anyway. But mm-hmm. the point I was trying to make is now Kreider moves around front of the net, side of the net, and they have set plays for him to deflect the puck and. It, it's his game is on a whole new level, and yeah, I think Gerard Gallant has something to do with that. I mean, look, um, sometimes a coach come and it could just click for a player. Uh, I mean, Phil can attest to he was never he was never a big fan of of Brock Nelson, and look what happened when Barry Trotz came. Nelson turned in from a you know turned from a guy who scored 20 goals because of his shot, but, you know, really leave you wanting more in every other yeah. aspect you, you, of the you, game. One small correction I'll make there. I was a fan of Brock Nelson in North Dakota. North, Yeah, yeah North Dakota. I, I was yeah. a fan of him then. And when yeah. he went to the Islanders and he loafed around, I said that this guy is never going to be anything more than a 20-20-40 because he just doesn't give you the efforts on a night-to-night basis. And then, like you said, Barry Trotz came along and something changed. He's yeah. a bit of an example also of addition by subtraction. You removed John Tavares from that team. It gave Brock Nelson a different, a different role, and he's taken off since then. Yeah, for sure. He definitely got more of a role. I, don't I, think, I that... think it has more to do with trots. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. And then when they add on a J.G. Pajot, oof. He, he's, he's been fantastic. The Last point year, Ryder, sometimes, sometimes it just takes – maybe a coach believing in you and you, you know, you just feel like, you know, you have a guy that, you know, has your back and wants to see you succeed. Um, and sometimes it just, you know, sometimes it just clicks. Uh, so good, good for Kreider. I mean, he's, he's, de- he's definitely having a career year. Um, you know, so we'll see, we'll see how, if he get to 50 or 45 or whatever it is, um, the key is will be next season. You know, he's going to have a microscope on him. People are going to be, People are going to be watching him and see if, you know, if he's going to replicate it. 
I, you know what? I don't think that, you know what? I don't think the microscope really isn't even an issue here because of the fact that he's been under scrutiny for years for, you know, his, his net front play. You know, everybody's known that he's been a net front guy for a while. It's just, it's the efforts. That's the, that's going to be the big thing for me. Is he going to come out next year and give you these efforts on and off the puck every night like he's doing this year? That's my biggest question. By the way, Rich, I would love to see the Dolphins win. <laughs> that ain't happening any day soon. But um, yeah, I'll take that one. that one. Um, I think for me, I think the odds are pretty low. I, I don't, I don't think you're gonna see much activity over over the break. Um, no, no. I, I you know when the trade deadline's March, March something. Um, March twenty first, I think. That's yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you'll start seeing moves until you know the calendar flips to March. So it, odds really low. <laughs> it, it's, that's the way it usually is because they're always going to do the um, all the, uh, the the salary cap is the the most that's going to be right there. I'd be shocked if some guys make a move early. Lou usually does that, but yeah, uh, like I said, uh, I wouldn't expect that this year unless they really, unless they really, like you said, got within like striking distance of a, of a playoff spot. Um, I mean, is it possible he makes a trade with eyes like, you know, for a player he knows is going to be part of the future for like next year moving forward? And he just if he gets a good deal, he's going to get ahead of it. I mean, yeah, that that's that's possible. But um, you're, you're not going to see any sort of rental trade from Big Lou this time around. But speaking um, of rental trades, so Kyle Palmieri has one goal in 15 games. It was interesting because um, a lot of people, including myself, said which. I wish they kept, you know, Seattle took Bailey over Eberly, and I, I still wish the Islanders had Eberly. Don't get me wrong, but after his start, you know, Jordan Eberly only has one goal in twenty games. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a big part of that is the fact that Seattle they just they don't have the ability to to finish games. They they. A lot of their games are just low-scoring games. I think if Jordan Everly was playing on a team where he had more offensive weapons around him and they played a little more of a free-flowing game than what they play in Seattle, I, I think you would see Jordan Everly with bigger numbers. I really do. And I'm also still not convinced Dave Haxtell is an NHL head coach, but... Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I like him as a college coach. I thought he was yeah. awesome with North Dakota. Um, I, I just I, – I don't know. I, I, I think there's just too much micromanagement from – there, there are things that remind me of Quinn with him, and I don't like it. Although I think he's a much better coach than Quinn. And easily. Um, uh, I, I will give him credit, though, for the roster that he has and the fact that Seattle is – always in every game that they play especially to the very end it, it, it all their games are close they, they don't get blown out in many games seattle so i gotta give hackstall some credit there um phil what about this one do you think they're gonna keep uh heedle at the wing or you think they're gonna end up moving him i think he's gone i think he's gone i just I, I don't know if it's before the deadline or not. It, it depends on the right deal comes along. If they want to pull the deal on Jacob Chikrin, cool. Um, I really think that Jacob Chikrin, if you bring him in and you're not giving up Braden Schneider or, you know, Zach Jones or something like that, let's just say it's Vitaly Krasov, Nils Lundqvist in the first. 
and you're getting Jacob Chikrin to come in there and your top four and you're moving Keandre Miller down and your bottom pairing is Miller and Schneider when one Chikrin and Truba are your second pairing with Fox and Lindgren, you're looking at a real, real great. Yeah, I still don't, I don't see the Jacob Chikrin thing. I don't see it. You don't see it as in with the rain, like with the Rangers getting them, or you mean you don't see it as in like you don't like them as a player? No, I don't see it as the Rangers getting them. Oh, okay, yeah. Then yeah. that I mean, I don't know. I think the Rangers would be better served using their assets to Just get to go to a forward. Yeah, yeah, to get a forward. I, 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 I don't think I don't think Chikrin is a necessity. Um, Again, just I, imagine this team finds a third a third line I, center. I think Somebody I think match up against the, the other team's top line. Why are the Islanders so good? I keep going to this. They win the center matchup. They did that for two years. They haven't done as much this year, but. I think Chikrin is a perfect fit for Boston. Um, I think he'd be a perfect fit for L.A. Um, I mean, L.A. boys, I mean, another team that I think everyone kind of trashed beginning of the year. I mean, they're they're within shouting distance of winning the division. Same same with Anaheim. They're not that far behind. Vegas. So if, if LA you know, got Jacob Chikrin and they have a lot of pieces they could get, they, the Arizona could be attracted to. I mean, they're not going to get Byfield, but I mean, they could pry a Turcotte from, from LA. Uh, I mean, LA has, has pieces that Arizona yeah. would be interested in. Yeah, I know. And I, I get the, I, I, I see the comments here. Um, you know, I don't see Chikrin. I don't, I don't see Chikrin being so great that he's worth that type of assets. Yep. Yeah. I, you know what? I get it. I, 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 last year is going to be an offensive outlier for him and he's not going to give the type of production that he wants uh, or that, you know, you, you would want from him in New York because he's not going to get those power play minutes. But um, I, I do think he would help shore up the Rangers' top four big time, and that's why I could possibly see it. I just don't know if the Rangers want to give up assets. I know that uh, Dan Rosen talked that, uh, said in an article, I think it was yesterday, that uh, the Rangers are, should be in on uh, Pavelski. I, I do agree with Jack. He is a luxury, not a necessity. But, you know, if the price is right, then, you, you know, you pull the trigger. Um, Kravtsov, Miller, Heedle, and pick for Rupe Hintz. I would love that, but Dallas ain't doing that. Yeah, they have I no one's got to trade hints. They're not trading Rupe hints. That's, no, a, wet got, That's a wet dream for, for Ranger fans. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not moving him or they're not moving Jason Robertson. No. They're not moving any of those guys. No, no. They, they, they would, they'll retain 50% on Sagan and Ben for the rest of their contract. Before they, they yeah. those guys. Yeah, so those, those guys and, and Gurianov, those are their guys going forward. You know, they're, yeah. they're not. Yeah. They're Thomas not Harley. Yes. I mean, you know, I, you know, Rich, Rich I'm, I'm with you on this. Giordano for me. Yeah. If, if I could find a, a combo package to get Giordano and McCann out of uh, Seattle uh, and it doesn't cost like an insane amount, I, I do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. And Jared McCann, the price is going to go up for him because he's got almost 20 goals already. Yeah. He's been one of the best nuts. players. I never thought like it would be like that, but. Yeah, I mean his production will go down because he's going to be getting lesser minutes wherever he goes. So, but you got a middle six guy that could score you 20, 25 goals. Forget about it. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, my batteries weren't running out. Um, uh, do you guys do you guys got more time, or you want to just go on without me for a little bit? No, I mean. Uh, I- Nah, because I, I got a I, I got a hockey game at nine, so I want to start relaxing and uh, getting some stuff ready to uh, and do dinner and stuff before I go. So, yeah, 
Well, I mean, we always love doing it with these guys, especially with you guys. You guys are always great to for the questions and everything. I I, I think the idea of third line center and uh, like a Mark Giordano, but Giordano's going to cost a, a pretty penny everywhere. There's already the rumors of him going right back to Calgary. So yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. that's possible. Like that's actual, like. Not like that's Larry. A, that's a distinct possibility. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Yeah. So, as long as they don't go paying a first round pick for Ben Sherratt, I'm I'm okay with adding a defenseman. Apparently, Jeff Petrie could be moved by Montreal. So that come out in the last day or two. I I don't think the I I don't think the Rangers could fit him though because I think he's got he's got quite a bit of left to term on his deal. Yeah, he's got three this- years left at six point two five million after this. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. And again, I mean luxury. Adam Fox is healthy. What are you doing with him? You're yeah, he's a right side defender or- too. So that that that's he's not gonna play the left side. You know, I no. never I never really thought much of him, Petrie, but over the last couple of years, I kind of changed my opinion of him with his play in Montreal. He's good. Yeah, he's and- he's good. If Josh Manson played the left side, I would ask Anaheim about what he what would cost to get him. Um, I know the I know you mentioned Hampus Lindholm for the Islanders a while ago, but that's probably not happening now. No, Anaheim, Anaheim. If anything, will add. I don't think they're going to get rid of any pieces. No. Yeah. Lawson Krause would be nice. Uh, he's a right wing, by the way, Gene. So. And that would that would fit very nice, but yeah. guys. By the way, uh, so check out. We're going to have the uh, best video hockey video games of all time. And then we're also going to have uh, next week, one of our discussion topics is going to be hockey couples um, <laughs> or pairings, if you will. Uh, I already know one pairing I can't wait to say. Duos. So uh, I can't wait. It's, it's, the, it's the pairing made in heaven for hockey fans. But uh, also duos, obviously, like Ovechkin and – uh, Backstrom and that fan. You guys like that that mass mutual commercial? Bore and McGillney. Bore <laughs> Oh boy. Oh that that was that was unique for several reasons. All right, but we're gonna sign it off here, guys. Thank you very much uh, for joining us again. And it's it's always great when you can recommend us, like, share, and subscribe our stuff. And we're also gonna put up the interview with Tara Fitzgerald. And uh, it, for the, the glove drop, if you haven't subscribed to her, do that. And hopefully if you did subscribe to her and you got that, subscribe to us. So we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you. And, uh, well, let's go Rangers in two weeks. Anthony, you get to watch a game again tonight. Yeah, yeah. Let's, go, let's go Islanders, baby. Let's see, let's see Trot's trash walls from after the game for no reason again. <laughs> oh, by the way, here's a good one. Ron Gresher and Carol Alt. Guys, thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Let's go Rangers.